Take your Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we went through verses 1 through 3. We're going we're gonna to hit verse 4 today. Uh, but before we get there, I, I, want to, I want to just touch on something because we're, we're beginning the story of the journey about talking about different people uh, in, the, in the Gospels that lived out uh, this faith. And, and it's the, the, for 40 verses of chapter 11, it's all about faith. And, and mo- the majority of that is explaining how people live this out. It wasn't just a matter of like, I have faith. It's a matter of let me show you what it looks like in life. But in John 10, 10, when Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and he said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he does. He takes from families. He robs your joy. He robs your identity. He, he, he destroys happiness, fulfillment, all these different things. That's what he does. But Jesus responded, and he said that I've come that you might have life. Praise God that God said that you pass from death unto life. He makes us alive. The, the baptism story that we have when we do that, and Eli will be doing this in just a minute, is a fact buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. But Jesus didn't leave it there. I think sometimes we get satisfied with just the fact, woohoo, I'm going to heaven. God said, I didn't just save you to redeem you from hell. That I didn't save you just to deliver you to heaven. There's more to the life. He said that I've come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. Now, I know a lot of people will preach this uh, of wealth and prosperity gospel. You serve Jesus, go to your mailbox, and there's going to be a check for $10,000 or whatever. The, the, let me tell you, I, I'd be thrilled if you found a check for $10,000. Take me out to lunch. We'll talk about it together, okay? We'll, we'll celebrate the $10,000. But that's not what the verse is talking about. He's saying that you might have life more abundantly, not just stuff in life. That, that life that he's talking about, that you might have it more abundantly, is the fact that you will have fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose to live out this life. God has created us for more in life. To run after things. To, to not just not be satisfied with just life being average or mediocre or I'm just getting by or I'm just, I'm just here. No, we're not meant to be just here. And I, I can prove it because Hebrews 11, 4 through 40 is all about people that said, wait a minute. If God has an abundant life, abounding in life, I want some of it. I'm not going to just be satisfied with just the average things of life. I'm going to run after it. But the key to everything that every single one of them did was faith. Take out faith. There's no experience in God in that way. And I think this is important for us to get. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now let me show you something that maybe that sometimes we misunderstand about this passage. We talk about by it, faith, that they received uh, a good report of God. And we take it from the, from the perspective that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and Rahab and Esther and all them were, were able to be used by God in a big way. And I cannot, for, I cannot deny that. They were used by God in a big way. But that's not all that it says. There's more to it. It's not just a matter that we look back at them as an example. But that Greek phrase, obtained a good report, means to be a witness of. To testify. It, It literally means to bear record of something. To obtain a good and honest report 
to be well reported of. So it has both sides of it. God is telling us that if you want to see an example of what it means to live out faith, I'm going to take you to Noah, and I'm going to take you to Abraham, and I'm going to show you what they did. But on the flip side of it, it says that they obtained something. Can I tell you what they obtained? On the flip side of them stepping out on faith, Noah was able to say, I built a boat when there was no way of water coming, and I was able to stand back and watch animals line up two by two as I stood there with my family saying, only God could do that. It was Daniel that testified that said, I was in the lion's den. I heard the purrs of the lions. I heard their growls. I felt their fur as it passed by me as they walked around me. Elijah could stand back and say, I was there when the fire fell and I felt the heat on my face. I was able to experience. Moses could stand back and say, I felt the wind of God as it came down and separated the Red Sea. It blew back my hair. I stood there with goosebumps as I experienced and had a touch of God in my life. It's not just about the fact that they were used by God. It was about them being able to stand back and say, I saw God. I experienced God firsthand. So we don't experience that today. Do we leave out faith? Is that, is, is that the missing ingredient of what we have? It says, for by it, by faith, the elders obtain a good report. By it, by faith, they witness God do great things. Let me tell you this. You will never witness great moves of God without great steps of faith. If you're satisfied with just hearing the stories, then, 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 then that's, that's where you're going to leave it. But God said, I gave you the story of Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Rahab and, and Esther and all that for you to be like, wow, look what God did. And I'm not looking to call down fire from heaven, which I think would be cool. Especially sometimes in road rage situations, like, I think that would be cool. But I, I think it'd be awesome for, for whatever God has for me and my family and you and your family to be able to experience God do great things of whatever your situation, your journey is. But I know what you're thinking. These are heroes of the faith. I mean, we read these stories and we're like, man, I'm, I'm definitely no Abraham. I'm definitely no Isaac. Can I tell you one thing that every one of these guys had in common is the fact that they messed up. Did you guys ever notice that? Every one of their stories, they could be, it's not heroes of the faith, they could be failures of the faith. You say, oh, I can't believe you said that. Read their stories. Every one of their stories, every single one of them. Abraham that we're going to get into next week, which is the next sequence of these stories. Abraham lied about his wife being his sister. Twice. He did it twice. Moses that was able to experience, you know, the, 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 the Red Sea being split. He also smote the rock because God told him not to do it. He did it anyways. David, you know, the one that brought down Goliath, had an affair, cheated, and then had the guy murdered. Before we get to Hebrews 11, Jesus testifies, or the Bible testifies of this, and he says in Hebrews 10, 17, in their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You say they were heroes of the faith. They, they were just people that experienced grace and still walked by faith. So here I, I want to I testify to every person here. You qualify to be able to walk a journey of faith and experience God in this way. Now let's get into this. The, I, I want to go back to verse 1. I want to touch on this because we need to make application again to what we're going to study in these passages. 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We studied faith. The word faith right there means just trust and confidence. Okay, we, we, we use this as an illustration of this when we were talking about the bridge. Let me take you back to the bridge. The bridge is something that if we're going to go across, we have to have faith and confidence. Because I promise you, if that failed, you would die. So we're in, in, and it just shows that we live out faith all the time. We're, we're going through something like that. We don't slam on our brakes and get out and go, what's going on, honey? Man alive, I want to make sure this bridge is okay. We go around kicking the metal and, you know, shaking the edges of it. No, no, we, we just go across it. You say, why is that? I, I, this bridge has been here for years. It's, it's held up the cars in front of us. I see cars on the other side of this. I have faith or confidence that I can step into this and it's going to hold me up and take me to the other side because that is, that is I trust it. And I have enough confidence that I'm going to put all my family in the car and take them to the other side. Faith is just trust and confidence. That's easy. Because the second illustration that I gave you was the fact that what if you come to a bridge in the middle of the woods and you step back and you're thinking, I, I don't have as much faith and confidence in that. But can we just be real about something? That is more of the journey that God's called us to. Because it's the evidence of things not seen. I don't know if God's going to send rain when I'm building the boat. I don't know if I build this altar and I douse it full of water that fire's going to fall. I don't know if I run to a giant with just a rock that that's enough to bring down that giant. See, a lot of times God brings us to things that there's no evidence seen for us to know that it's going to work. But I still move forward because the path that he's taking me, the path that he's calling us down, is his word. That is what, I'm not putting the faith and confidence in me because that's what I said last week. We're like, you're like, man, I, 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 do I have enough faith? Well, go ahead and stand at the front of that bridge and psych yourself up. I've got the faith. I can do this. Man, I know I can do this. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to a song and I'm going to psych myself up. You can do that all day long. That doesn't change the situation. But do you understand if God's the one that built that bridge or that's the path that God did, I can walk out on it because I'm putting my faith and confidence in God, not in myself. So the more we build this up that I hope I have enough faith, then you put the faith in you rather than the, situ- rather than the God that you're serving. The reason why Noah was successful because he said, and Noah believed God. God led him to this. And so let me tell you this. That right there, it's Pastor and Mrs. Denoff coming to Columbus, Ohio to, to, to start a church with nothing. So what do we have? I don't know. Is that going to hold us? I don't know. But God called us here. That, that, is, that is a cancer journey right there. That, that is what that is. That is like, I, I, I don't know if this is going to work, and I don't know what advice to follow, and I don't know, but God put us here, so therefore I'm going to keep going even though faith is scary. You're going to learn that as we go through this. A lot of times you're like, I've got faith and let's just charge into this. I promise you with all of my heart that Daniel had goosebumps on the back of his neck as he went into the lion's den. A lot of us, I would like, he went, you know, skipping in there. Like, you know, like he's just going to go pet a lion or whatever. No, I promise you. Faith is scary. Faith, when you get out there, is going to shake the, the bridge is going to sway. The question is, are you going to keep going because what you have in your head? Let, let, me, let me give you a verse that illustrates faith that, that is pretty powerful that you, you, a lot of you know already. But maybe you've never applied that, that this is a verse talking about faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. Do you know what the word trust is? It's faith and confidence. That's what that word is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the bridge, the path, the direction that he's take you with all your heart. What is your heart? It's conviction. That is like literally convinced that I know that my God cannot fail. And my God doesn't lead me to ever fail. So faith is confidence in the Lord, but you can't lean on your own understanding. Looking at the bridge going, man, I don't know. Man, I don't know if we should give to that project. I, I don't know if I should sign up for that mission trip. Man, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of money. But didn't God put it on our hearts? I know, I know he did. I don't know if I could, I, I could teach that class. Didn't, God, didn't you say that God put a bird on your heart? Man, I know, but man, I'm just not good with words. See, that is, don't lean on your own, on your own understanding because in all of your ways, you have to acknowledge him and you know what he's gonna do? He's going to direct your paths. You know what that means? That God's going to take you to some scary stuff. And that's where faith comes in because a lot of us are like, man, I want the faith of Daniel. And then God brings us to the bridge and we're like, oh, maybe I don't. Because faith is scary. I, I, I want to take you to the first example of this. And we're just going to hit one main verse today and then we'll be done. This is the first example that we come to. This is going to be my first time of using this illustration, but I wasn't going to skip it because when, when God says, let me give you an illustration, he gives the first one. He talks about a guy that doesn't make sense. Now, I, I, I get the fact that Daniel did what he did, and, and, and David, man, well, what a perfect example. By faith, David brought down Goliath with a rock. Now, that's an illustration of faith. That, that's something that we would paint uh, a mural in a, in a nursery or whatever, like, man, I want to inspire the kids like that. But I'll tell you, when it says, by faith, Abel, nobody ever paints this dude's picture on anything. You know what I'm saying? It's not like when we talk about heroes of the faith, no kid has ever said, I want to grow up to be like Abel. I mean, like, who does that? On, on kids' Bible covers, on pictures of your house, murals in churches, when, I mean, nobody ever puts him as one of the heroes of the faith. We almost stand back and be like, dude, how'd you get in there? Man, how, how, how did that dude sneak in here? When, when you say, what did he do? He gave God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, that it being dead, that he being dead, yet speaketh. It doesn't start with, it, it says, by faith, Abel. When we get in these stories, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense of this. And you say, what was the wrap-up in a nutshell, Pastor Tony, the story of Abel? He gave an offering, ticked off his brother, and died. I mean, literally. That is the full story of, of Cain and Abel, or, or, or of Abel at least. But let's go back. Why is he mentioned here as a person of faith? He was 11-4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Okay, so this is about offering to God in sacrificial living. That is what this is about. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So the offering unto God or his offering unto God was an act of obedience or an act of worship. The very beginning, before we get into people throwing rocks or building boats or Abraham offering Isaac, it starts with one basic principle and that is offering unto God. So that's a weird thing to start with. Well, not to God, to the point where the Bible says in the end of verse 4, and by it, by his offering, he able, being dead, yet speaketh. 
God literally says, this guy, even though you're thinking that there's not much to his life, the acts of obedience that he lived out had such an impact on pleasing God that God said, I'm going to record it in Scripture and have that message preached for generations to come. And if God did that, then it must be vitally important that God says when he's writing out scriptures of faith, that God says, start with Abel. That dude knew how to please me. That dude knew how to walk by faith. So how do you do this? Two simple points. Number one, how to move forward by faith. Number one, you have to have the right heart. You have to have a heart that is right. And the Bible spells this out. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts. Now, now, let me show you something. Both of them sacrificed unto God. Did you guys notice that? One sacrificed uh, of, the, of the fruits, and the other one sacrificed of the animal. So it's not a matter of obedience. And I've heard this preached in some way that, that Cain disobeyed God. And, and we'll, we'll kind of debate that here in a second about why did God honor one over the other. But I can tell you at the, the, the heart of this, literally at the heart of this, is one did it from a righteous heart and one did not. So the question comes in, did, did he obey God? Or what, what was this all about? I know that Cain did not have a righteous heart because one, when God rejected his offering, he responded and went out and killed his brother. That's a good indication your heart's not right, just in case you're thinking about that, okay? So the story begins with the basics of honoring God. So here's the thing. Offering is acknowledging that all that we have comes from God. Now take it from the very beginning uh, of, of the passage. Uh, I mean, when I say the very beginning, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Without God, there was nothing made that was made. Everything that God gave to Adam and Eve to enjoy came from God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Where did light come from? It came from God. God said, let the earth bring forth green grass. Let it bring forth herbs. Let, let it bring forth uh, plants. And let, it, let, let, let there be animals. Let there be birds. Let there be fish in the sea. Everything that was there came from there. So when Adam and Eve passed it on to Cain and Abel, it was a matter of everything that we have is not ours. It's been given to us by God. And Adam could even say, God put me in the garden to oversee it, but the garden belonged to God. Now, I know you're saying this is awfully simple, but you understand that this is the basics of a simplicity thing that God wanted us to get. And it says here in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, if you get into the story itself, and she again bare her brother Abel, or his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it's a matter that God points out at the beginning of this that they, didn't, they weren't the same. If you have two kids, I promise you, they're going to be quite different. One was a tiller of the ground, one was a keeper of the sheep. But both of them had to acknowledge that the sheep that I have and the plants that I grow and harvest have all come from God. You need to acknowledge in your life, every single one of us, that you work a job, you have a house, and you have a car. You don't own any of it. It's not yours. And I think that sometimes we, we build ourselves up like, look what I have done, and I have worked hard for what I have, and this belongs to me, and I'll do what I want. God says, really? Do you know who I am? Every time we use the word Lord God in Scripture, the word Lord is Adonai. Do you know what Adonai means? It means master. You serve the master. All that you have belongs to God. Everything, every sheep that he had and everything that grew in the ground belonged to God. Now, God was pointing out that this was their livelihood. They had talents, they had income, they had all of these things, 
but it all belonged to God. We are simply managers of God's blessings because all that we have is his. Now notice the second thing. Offering is simply offering or honoring God with what, we, with God, with what God has given us. Offering is simply honoring God with what he has given us. It says in verse 3 in Genesis chapter 4, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Now you think about it. He says in the process of time or the system that God established that they would plant, they would harvest, and in the process of time they would come and say, this came from you. Thank you. That's what the offering was. It was simply acknowledging that God gave us everything. Everything that we have, it's it's simply the blessings of God. When the Bible talks about stewardship, when the Bible talks about offering, when the Bible talks about sacrifice, all of these things, it was a spiritual discipline to acknowledge that this belongs to you. And and I I think all the way from the very beginning, before there was houses and cars and chariots and all that other stuff that went out through history, it all started with whatever you have, literally going up to Cain and Abel. Like, what do you got? I I plant plants. Well, offer some of that to me. And the same thing with the 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 animals it was like that belongs to me it was a matter of acknowledging god in all that we do now let me show you how david got this david was a man after god's own heart and he got this understanding of the offering as he was worshiping god in first chronicles 29 verse 12 both riches and honor come of thee where does it come from David was like, man, I've got this figured out. He said, this one thing that I know, everything that I have, whether it's my bank account, whether it's, it's my house or my car or whatever, it comes from God. And thou reignest over all, you're in control. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thy hand is to make me great and to give strength to all. He said, everything that I have has come from God. And if I'm going to further anything in my life, I've got to acknowledge that it comes from God. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. I acknowledge, I, I worship you, I thank you, I give you the credit for this. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? It wasn't grudgingly like, well, here you go, this is what you want. It's like, man... God is so good. Who are we to have so much? Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for your goodness to me. We acknowledge all that we have. All things come of thee, and of thine own have we been given thee. This all belongs to God. It's funny how we don't mind giving sacrificially to the things that we love. But the question in in God's priority and God's mind is, is, do you love me? Are you going to to sacrifice? Are you going to offer to me? Because we don't mind giving out to everything. And by the way, we're not just talking financial. And that's the first place our mind runs. It's the same thing with our time. Same thing with our treasures. Same thing with our possessions and our resources and everything. It's a matter of whether it's a lamb or corn. Do you put God as a priority? Now, notice the second thing, and I know this is kind of debated, but let me show you. How we move forward by faith is you have to have a heart that is right. We acknowledge every blessing that I have comes from God, and I honor God with what I have. But the second part is, Abel put God first. This is a 
basic principle. It's not the first time that I preach this, and I think it is important that we understand this, that Abel put God first. And in verse 2, and it says, And she again bare her brother Abel, his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and and to his offering. Now, I've heard this said, and I'm sure you guys have heard this said as well, and I just, I kind of want to debate it and just throw it out there to see what our thinking is, that God honored Abel because he brought a blood sacrifice. And that makes sense because if you go back to Genesis, that he killed the animals and covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve with the the skin of the animal. And, And I know that's a principle that was lived out. Now, it wasn't put into a command till later. The literally is, is for a process of killing the animal, and God gave the instructions. If you go later in scriptures, especially in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all that other stuff, we have the instructions for that. It was not given to them yet. Plus, giving of what you had of the harvest was an offering that God commanded from the very beginning. Of what do you have, put God first. Notice Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. What do we find out from that? That verse tells us from the very beginning that you are to take whatever you have and they were to offer it unto God. So it wasn't just the blood sacrifice that he was talking about. He said of the first of the first fruits. But let me emphasize something. It wasn't just bringing of the fruits of the ground. He said that the first of the first fruits. So it's literally the beginning of the beginning. You have a first harvest, you have corn, you have wheat, you have whatever it is. Whatever you take out of that first, that is what you're to bring God as an offering. The principle that God was saying to us in everything that we do is God must come first. In everything. Can I tell you guys that we live in a culture today that does not put God first? And we see that, man, when it comes to obedience of things and instructions of things and whatever it is, it is not. But I'm going to take you back to Genesis um, 4.3. And he says, in verse 3, he says that he brought of the fruit of the ground, which literally he had of it. And he was like, well, I'll, I'll take some of this and bring it to God. But when Abel did it, it was totally different. The Bible says in verse 4, and Abel brought of the firstlings of it. That, that, that's not just something that God threw in there. God was emphasizing even what he reiterated back in Exodus and the other passages, that God must come first. He brought of the firstlings of it. He said, why does that matter? Think about the application of this. If you were to, God's to bless you in so many ways, and you were just to take of your blessings and bring it to God, there is no faith involved. But let's take Abel's illustration. He's feeding a family. He's taking care of his family. He's doing all these things. And he has one lamb that's there. You can imagine bringing to the family. He says, we have a lamb. This is our first baby. This, is, this came from God. God did this. This is so incredible. And they're like, dad, that's awesome. It's like, man, I hope we have many more. I hope we do too, son. This one's God's. This one's God's. Well, wait a minute. Why don't we add up more and just see where our status is? Why can't we just see what all we have to give? And if there's enough of it and whatever, and God says, no, that's not faith. Faith is when you only have one and you give it to God out of trust to God, praying and hoping and trusting that and having confidence that God, that God will give you more. 
Do you know why the story of Abraham is so powerful? Think about the story of Abraham and Isaac. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you so much that your family will be counted as the sands of the sea. He had one kid. His name was Isaac. Do you know what God asked him to do with his one kid named Isaac? Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, and lay him upon the, offer, uh, on the altar. You know what he was asking God? Take what you have and give it to me, trusting in God that God will provide more. The whole idea of Abel was a matter of trusting God. The whole idea that God's asking Christians to live out their life is to trust God. It is not trusting God when you have a thousand sheep and you say, oh, I'll take that one. Okay, you can have this one. That's, that's, that's the best that I can do. But it's trusting God. And by the way, when God gave to us, it was also the same illustration. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was sacrifice. It was offering. It came from the heart. It was because of love. It was a question of that. It was, it was, it was motivated by love. And this is how it started. It is also about recognizing God's authority in our lives. The first book in the first chapter and the first verse of the first chapter says, in the beginning, God. It started with God. It belongs to God. Without God being first, there would be nothing to follow. Do you understand that the reason why it says in the beginning, God, because all things were made by him and not anything was made that was made. Everything came from God. Go back to the end. If you go to Revelation, uh, the end of Revelation, it says in chapter 22, verse 13, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the, bat, and the, first and the last. You know what God established at the very beginning of time? I come first. Do you know what he established at the end of time? I come first. Do you know why that is so important for us to acknowledge? Because God has said to us as Christians, without me, you can do nothing. 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 That's not how we live. The whole illustration of Abel from the very beginning of it was the fact of I want to establish that faith in every aspect of your life is putting God above all things. Above all things. Life began with God. Life will end with God. And nothing works without God being first. If God is the source of all blessings and you pull him out, what kind of blessings do you have? If God is the source of all strength, God is the author of time. God is the one that gives you the, the ability to handle whatever's coming. If you pull God out of that, what do you have left? But we have a generation today that life is just so hard and it's not working out and I don't know what's going on and I love God. And God says, it's not a matter of just with your lips telling me that you love God. It's with the actual action of, there's a lamb. He's so cute. It's the first. It's all we have. Son, bring him to daddy. Let's go. That one belongs to God. But dad, we don't have anything else. As Abraham and Isaac were going up to the, the mountain to sacrifice, and this, we're getting to this story. It's one of the next ones. He said, son, my God will supply himself a lamb. Faith and confidence in God. Can I show you a verse that is so powerful? Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. 
He's the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Do you know what the preeminence means? And I, I, I love that word because it just literally means in all things that God will be first. But I think we live more of the revelation when he talks about the church of Laodicea, the, the last church mentioned before the rapture in the, in the, in the book of Revelation. He said, you know, the problem is that you've been increased with goods and you think that you have need of nothing. But he said, you, you, have, you have left your first love. Have we become that generation that literally has stockpiled God's blessings? And then when we talk about things, we almost tip God or give God the leftovers of what we had. And we wonder why we're not experiencing exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We wonder why we're not abounding and feeling the fulfillment. We're wondering why we don't hear the lion's den and, and, and feel the, <clears throat> the wind blowing over and, and, and experience the power of God as he worked in every situation as, as, as they prayed to experience the touch and power of God. You say, God doesn't work that way. Could it be that the fact that God is no longer the preeminence of our lives? Let's walk through this. Is he first in your time? Does Facebook... Hulu, Netflix, TikTok, get more of your time than God. If it comes to us talking about and doing an outreach, and there was a competition between the Buckeye game and reaching our community, which one would win? Think of how often this happens. It comes to sleeping in on Sunday versus going to church. When it comes to our talents, the fact that we will play sports but you have the talent and ability to play in the band, but you will, you will dedicate yourself to practicing that sport and living that out, but you will not pick up, pick up that instrument that God's blessing you with to bring glory to God. Is God first in that? You use your talents and abilities to do so many things, but you won't be part of the creative team to spread the gospel around the world. And let's just be honest, because it does apply to our money. And I think the reason that the Bible talks about money more than any other subject in the Bible is because that's close to our hearts. Have a pastor start talking about money and watch people cringe. But the sad thing is, it's not even my message. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the preacher. But preachers will begin to talk about money and the fact that God says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you get upset about the pastor talking about money, it's a heart issue. Because God has made an established thing from the very beginning. I will not take second place. I am the author. I'm the beginning. I created it. I spoke it. It's here because of me. I will not take second place. Do not put God in the back seat. Do not give him leftovers. Do not give to Starbucks and Hulu and Apple Music and everything else that we have a subscription to. And they get bitter and upset when God says support missions for the gospel to go out. Abel had his heart right. And Abel simply put God first. And God says, write that story down because that's how I 